Dr. Dave, thanks for joining us today. You reached out to us to sort of, you want to do your own sort of podcast content creation stuff over in WA, which we think is fantastic, but we thought why not get you on to interview yourself and learn about you and talk about your experience with Jim's mowing and everything in between. So do you want to start with a bit about yourself, where you're from and what we're doing prior to Jim's mowing? Yeah, mate. Well, thanks for having me on. So my name's Dave Baker. I'm from Perth, Western Australia. Prior to being a Jim's mowing franchisee, I used to work in the automotive industry. So uh, I was a sales manager and a service manager at the dealership and then went to Automasters and a bit more of a private setup. And yeah, so just 10 years in automotive before coming over to Jim's. And what prompted the change? couple of things. So I wanted to buy an Automasters initially because that's a franchise system, but they're, you know, six, seven hundred grand to buy into. So that was a little bit out of the old uh, poppet fan. And my brother-in-law's a gym. He's been a gym for 11 years. So um, I asked him a little bit about it. Didn't ask too many. I didn't want to be tainted with too much info. So I just said, you know, if you had your time again, would you do it again? The answer was yes. So that was enough for me. Um, and then I just followed the online inquiries and yeah, yeah, the ball just went from there. And did you come and do the training in Melbourne or were you online? Yeah, man. I came and put on 15 kilos. <laughs> So yeah, how yeah, would you find yeah. that? How would you find? How would you describe or how did you find the training experience overall? Because it can be very intimidating and, and especially coming from WA, it's a big journey to come over. So how did you find it all? Yeah, you know what? It's to this day, like I've been in gyms four years odd now, and I still like you know you have your days out in the tools and you you're just you know around or whatever. And I still think back to that training week in Melbourne, and it was such a such a great experience. The whole process from initial inquiry to to training to you know all of a sudden okay you're a lawnmower man now. The whole process was such an exciting, you know, cool experience. I'm so, so stoked that I got to get in prior to COVID and actually got, a, got over to Melbourne and did the training. It was one of the best experiences I've had. And do you remember what your first week was like out in the field? So you've come from an unrelated field into out doing what you're doing. So how did, how did you find coming back and you're all pumped up and how was that first week? Yeah, man. So, and exactly right, pumped up. So, you know, old Mikey D and the team over at the training facility, did they do a One thing I really liked about the training was you, you paid for your training at from Perth, obviously, we paid for our flight. So for us, it was a couple of grand exercise to come to training. But they make you do that before you sign the paperwork. So you can take what you learn from training. And if you choose not to be a franchise, you can go out and apply that to your own mowing business. And, you know, it's there's zero obligation. But one thing that I've realised that they do is they got people like Mikey D involved and without even trying, they just sell it so well, you know. So they pump your tyres up. You know, you learn a little bit about business. You learn a lot about mowing, a bit about quoting and all that. And you come back and you're so fired up and you're ready to rock and roll. You think you're going to be a genius until your first lead comes through and then you just go to water. <laughs> and it's such a sobering experience. Like it's, uh, it's like I said, that first week was just so fun. I, uh, I bought a Bear Territory, so I didn't buy any split or have any clients. So Monday, 18th of October or whatever it was, I'm just, you know, 6.30 in the morning, all dressed up in a kit, ready to go to work and nowhere to go. So the first lead comes through and then you get all excited and it's such a euphoric experience. You're like, man, you know, you're telling the wife, oh, i got a lead, i got a lead, i got a lead. And you're fumbling on the phone. But I think, honest to God, I said, I, I'm pretty sure I said, g'day, it's Dave from Automasters here. <laughs> you know, because two weeks prior to that, you know, I've been running an Automasters store. So I think I did that for about three weeks. <laughs> and um, yeah, you're fumbling through, you're pretending to be this expert on lawn and still <laughs> barely know the difference between kite, blow and cooch. So yeah. it's, it's a lot to take in, man, but my advice to anyone is enjoy that first week. Just take a step back and live in that moment, man, because it's such a rush. And how did you find the transition? Because a 10-year employee, like you get used to that weekly or that fortnightly income consistently, and then all of a sudden, as you said, you've got that, oh, oh moment, I'm sitting around and waiting for the lead to do it. So how did you find the transition from employee to business owner? Did it take you a while to make or did you make it quickly or how was it? Yeah, man. So I, um, I'm one of those people that are generally pretty useless at most things um, <laughs> as far as management, money and all that sort of shit's concerned. Yeah. So I used every last cent we had 
borrowed a couple of grand off each of my parents to get in, get into gyms. Um, I had I literally had an Azito battery edger, like it was disgraceful. Um, <laughs> like man, you couldn't call me a professional lawnmower. Like that up, I had. I bought a second hand trailer, painted myself. Like, I got in as cheap as I possibly could because that's all I could afford, you know. Yeah. But we we got going, and you know, like nearly every franchisee in the world of gyms is the question they ask a franchise or acquire is, you know, pay for it, guarantee. Can you, you know, what sort of money can you make? What sort of I need, I need to hit the ground running type thing, you know. Uh, as my franchisor, Danny at the time said, and everyone has said since, and I say to all the new franchisees coming through, just don't stress about income. It will be there. Like, that is the least of your worries is lead generation and, and uh, income with gyms. You don't need to worry about that in the slightest. So I, my first day, no territory, like no lead, no clients or anything like that. Just from lead generation that day, I did 580 bucks in my first day, you know, which would have worked out to be a two and a half grand week at that. And I thought, mm. you know, I was doing the numbers in my head. I was like, okay, if I do this, I'll, I'll be okay. And then, um, yeah, I ended up doing, I think, 1800 or something in my first week. And then it went to 27. And then I did five weeks at Firebrand just mowing lawns straight after that. So um, it was insane. Like, just the opportunity, like, within the first three weeks, I replaced all my machinery to all good steel stuff. You know, I bought a new Massport self propelled mower and all that sort of stuff. And oh, man, it was insane. The income side of things, going from a fixed wage to, you know, the risk of a business. Uh, obviously, you've got to do due diligence and make sure that you are spending the money the right way but man gyms it, it was just insane it was just a, such an eye-opening experience of what was possible you know yeah well you would have had a lot of stress because as you said you've used up all your saying which is not an uncommon thing so you had to make it work didn't you so you had to yeah so yeah. like it was a I, i'm pretty good you know one of those boats with a silver tongue i could sort of spin my way out of most situations and that you know like i, I laughed when i got in the car because i remember a couple of my first initial quotes i was like i just sat in the car after so like, what are you talking about dickhead like that didn't you <laughs> If you had a person who knew what they were talking about, you probably would look like a flog, you know. Um, but one thing that I'm big on is if I get asked a question and I don't know, is I say, and that's the beauty of gyms, is you can say, oh, look, like if, if it's a lawn-specific question and you don't know the answer, you can say, oh, look, I'm, I'm a bit more of a gardening expert, but I'll tell you what, with gyms, we've got a bloke in our region who's an expert on lawns. I'll give him a call and I'll get back to you. Mm. And then if it's a gardening question, you can say, oh, look, I'm a lawn expert, but I'll tell you what, I know a bloke who's an expert on roses, I'll give him a call. And clients love the fact that a franchisee lends on another franchisee because they feel like they're getting value for money using that brand. And that's the whole point of it, you know? So I was never big on fully faking it till you make it or, you know, like fumbling your way through. I just came up pretty with quick little ways of getting out of those situations because it is overwhelming, you know, you're like, I'm no more way around a car, no worries. But, you know, all of a sudden you're this, and you are, you're Jim's mowing, you're the lawn mowing expert. So people expect that sort of level from you. And how'd you go? Um, and how'd you go if you're training and upskilling yourself? Like, was it something where you just found getting out there and doing it was was the key, or did you? How'd you build your skills? Yeah, absolutely, man. Good question. So well, that's one piece of advice I'd always give to everyone: is notepad and pen in your pocket. So the gym's uniforms, the fluoro shirts. I got a little chest pocket there and a spot for your pen. Grab yourself a little spiral notebook and a pen. And then the second you you know you do a job and you don't you know you know a customer might have asked you a question that you're not too sure about, sit in the car and jot it down. Then when you get home that night, do your Googling, do your research, you know, and and every time you come up with something that you're not too sure, find the answer, don't let it go. Like that's brilliant, you know, piece of knowledge and experience and stuff like that. Lean on your franchisor, you know, call your franchisor, say, hey, I just had a customer call about lawn beetle or something. What the hell's a lawn beetle? You know, and, you know, they'll give you advice or they might send you links or they might just say, oh, Google this or whatever, you know. So you, you're bought into a franchise system and with that there is a, a level of support through you know, fellow franchisees or your franchisor or even, you know, jumping on the 
pretty sure the the online system there's got a network thing you can use so uh lean on it man and and always just double down on the info if you don't know something research out of it and how long did it take you to feel comfortable in your business let's say where you were like going obviously you done you know you got really well in terms of making really good revenue to start but how long until you felt comfortable or you felt like okay cool this is going to definitely work and i've made a good decision here well, because I started in October and, you know, coming into Christmas and all that sort of time, I didn't know how it was going to go. And in hindsight, like now, I think starting in October, you couldn't start at a better time for a growth season. You know, it's still not too hot. Mm. You know, you so you can sort of ramp up your body into it because, geez, that, it beats you up the first couple of months. Um, I'm probably going to say six weeks, maybe. The best thing about mowing lawns and, you know, Mikey D at training says Bluetooth headphones. And in my head, I thought, nah, you know, it doesn't sound too safe. I want to hear my machinery, see there's pedestrian, all that sort of stuff. Mm. Within three weeks, I had Bluetooth headphones. <laughs> best thing I'd ever done, man. Like, I'm listening to lawn podcasts, listening to people in America. Over, like, if you work eight hours a day and you're just sitting on a whippersnipper or a blower and lawnmower all day, man, you could do yourself, like, two university degrees each year just by listening to Spotify. Like, just listen, you know, and if I'm doing something or, you know, or like I don't know, Bass and GST and that, I'm not too sure. I'll just listen to a podcast on small business management with GST. Just you, you're working, making money, but also learning about your business at the same time. So that's my advice there is just, you know, Spotify is a, a big one like that. Yeah, it's good points. You know, Jim listens to a lot of Audible and a lot of franchisees, as you said, that I know, yeah, they're all flat out on podcasts all day, where we lawn yeah. care podcasts, business podcasts, whatever. And the good thing about that is, like, as you said, you're getting all those hours of knowledge about you know, lawn varieties and different ways to do things and you're actually learning out there on the job and you can apply it as well. Yeah, man, it's, it's fantastic, especially in those early days. Like you, Well, actually, not even in the early days. I think that's the biggest problem a lot of franchisees or business owners in general get is they hustle with the info in the first six months, 12 months, and then you get to this point where you know enough and then you don't start topping up the information and you're just, for the next three years, you're still just going off the same information you learn in six, 12 months and you're not, you know, updating yourself or upskilling yourself. So I think... I think that goes for any franchisee, whether you've been doing it for 10 years or doing it for six months, you know, just keep relevant on the, you know, the updated chemicals, the updated processes, machineries, uh, small business practices and what's happening in the gyms group itself, you know. And what podcast or what, what books or channels do you listen to to help you get more skilled? What do you recommend for people? I listen to, don't know the name of it, I just, just press play on it now. It's uh, Dude in America. Because they do things really weirdly over there, but it's really cool because you listen through and like he lives in a state where um, it's very seasonal mm -hmm. and he like throughout, I think it's only like an 18 week real gnarly grow season type thing. And he gets people on like in credit card and they like contracted for the season type thing. And if they jump off the season, he's got their credit card details and takes like a Ford Mo cancellation fee off them, which mm -hmm. I thought was like fantastic, you know, and like you just hear different people around the world and that just doing different things. Uh, Aussie Lawn Podcast is always a good one too. You know, it's always good to listen to. And then just general, like, you know, business, marketing, the odd motivational one here and there. You know, you've got to be careful of those motivational ones because they just pump your tires up and you go nowhere. Yeah, exactly right. Yeah. I was going to say, with um with your business as well, do you want me to talk about your business? So you've been going for four years. Let's talk about your machinery, how many clients you're doing, what sort of jobs you're doing. Maybe give you a bit of an insight into what your business looks like. Yeah, man. So I fully embrace the uh, gym system from the get-go. You know, our training, they spoke about splits for a little bit. So we, I, I got going and within the first year, 12 months into the date, I sold my first split. And that was pretty cool, you know, big cash injection type thing. And then I sold three more splits since then. So I sold four in total. And that's been really good. So I went down that road and, you know, making money like that was, was cool. And the leads were there, so I wasn't fussed. And then I thought, all right, well, I'm going to try staff now. So I tried that. 
And then I thought, oh, you know, mix two, train staff up and sell them a split, you know, like, and I've been gyms with good franchisees. I'm helping my old staff, you know, like that. But I had a couple of staff that I trained them up for about six to eight weeks. They felt like they could push a lawnmower. So they just started their own Scott's lawnmower or whatever. And they dogged me like that. So that was a bit of a, then, but they were young, ambitious go-getters. So I thought, oh, maybe I'll try older staff, you know, ones that, you know, that don't quite have that gnarly ambition and just want to earn a good wage type thing. So that's where I'm at now. We've got three trailers on the road. Well, two trailers and a landscaping unit. Uh, I do the landscaping. That looks to be, for me, at this point in my life and where I'm heading and where, where we are over here, is that looks to be mint. So I want to get five trailers. Awesome. And let's talk more about the landscaping aspect you mentioned there. So I want to touch yep. on this. So how did you get into landscaping? What did you do? How did you build your skills with that? And maybe you want to talk about that service because it's not a real commonly known thing that you guys do landscaping or that we do landscaping. So maybe you want to talk about that for people. <laughs> and that, like back step. One of the like other defining factors that made me get into gyms, I'm one of those blokes that I'm not paying that to do that. I'll do it myself. You know, everything around my house, house I've done myself type thing. And then when I was running Auto Masters, you know, six, uh, five and a half days a week, and I just wanted to spend a bit of time with the family on the weekend, I actually thought to myself, you know what, I'm going to pay someone to mow my lawn. And then I thought, geez, if I'm going to do that, you know, there must be a market for it. There must be so many people like me that the older, like my old man said, ah, it's lazy to get someone to mow your lawn for you. But it's not. It's People are time poor. People make good money these days and they value uh, different things so it's you know or you're, you're creating value to their life so as soon as i considered doing that like paying someone to mow my lawn i thought well geez there has to be a market there and then so when i got into gyms i just naturally i like i love playing around i got every tool you can imagine you know and and that and so i just started with what i knew you know turf installs i went immediately into researching retic and learning got you know real sound on how to figure out retic and new retic designs flow rates pressures and, and what works where type thing and a little hint for people Go into your, like, I don't know what you got over there, your Reese or, you know, Nutrient or whatever. Just knock on the door and say, hey, I'm a new franchisee. I'd love to learn a bit about Retic. Their sales rep or their store manager will walk you through the back aisles and teach you and show you everything, you know, because if you sell them 20 grand a year worth of Retic, you know, they're stoked. And that's what I did. I went into my local Reese and just said, hey, I don't really know much about how this works. Can you show me? And so it started out just Retic and installs. And then I started doing, you know, some small walls and stuff like that. Started up on artificial turf. And now, oh man, I love artificial turf. Like that is insane money maker. That is good. And it's funny because, you know, your client's like, oh, Jim's mowing doing artificial turf, you know? And then you just have a joke with them saying, yeah, I'll put you on a fortnightly schedule after we install it, you know, and come back <laughs> yeah, and yeah, so, yeah. it. You know, yeah. yeah, they like that, bit of banter. But yeah, so so now, like, oh man, we do everything. Like I've got a good little team of subbies that I use. I've got a brick layer, you know, I've got a plaster and stuff like that. So I do like raised planter boxes and, you know, high pits and seated areas and stuff like that. We do anything from, you know, $1,500 remulch and a bit of garden edging right up to 30 grand jobs, you know? So loving it. I just love the creativity. All factor you get from the customer, man. Like one thing that in the 10 years I was in the automotive, it, it, I found it was a grudge payment. You know, someone has to spend three grand to fix their car and, you know, you're taking the holiday away from them and you're the bastard that gave them the bad news. But really, they, they probably shouldn't drive up a speed bump at 100 cars now. You know, like, but you're the bad guy because it's a grudge payment. When you're adding value to someone's house or really changing their, you know, aesthetic of the backyard or whatever, man, they love you. Like, it's such a good feeling, you know, adding that sort of value to people's lives. And that's why I love it, man. You're just cre you're creating something they couldn't even imagine. And these jobs so, coming to you via leads or you're going out there and upselling a bunch of a relationship or how are you, how are you doing these jobs? Column A, column B and column C, man. So in my area, not too many people uh, take on that much landscaping work. Last splits I sold, Dennis and Fraser, they actually, because I, you know, said, oh, if you ever need any training or anything like that or you want to try new stuff, let me know. And I'll, that's kind of the value that I added to them was 
I'll teach you what I know. So those two are sort of taking a lot of my landscaping leads now. But prior to that, man, it, no one wanted it. They just wanted to smash regulars, you know, have 150 regs on the book and just mow lawn all day. So it was sort of untouched for me in my region. So I put leads on for landscaping, man, and it was wild. Like not quite be a full-time landscaper, but, you know, one a week. Do you so, think per yeah. hour, per hour money-wise per job, you would make more money doing the landscaping or smashing out the lawns? Which one do you think is the best? So like my ranking would be, yes, landscaping. I reckon like my primo, like if you were to say what's my favourite job in gyms, would be those primo little three-hour like end of lease garden tidy things mm. where it's not a complete piece of but it's you know it's a bit of a slash mode quick run down with their heads from a snip the weeds in the garden you know those sorts of yep. where you can make it look a lot better with not a lot of work and you're taking away a little green waste you're mulching everything like that you know you might get four or five hundred bucks from it's taking three hours or whatever so so they're they're good value and then me lastly is mowing i just i'm not a i know it sounds funny because i'm a gym's mowing guy but reg mows for me is just boring well, that's well, that's the thing to point out for customers. I know because a lot of our divisions get siloed by their name, thinking it's just mowing. But like as you said, you know, your main a lot of your business is landscaping, artificial turf, and a lot of other things. Those tidy ups for those property managers and stuff like that. Yeah, man. So it's it's not untouched, but it's a it's it's great, and that's the dynamic of gyms. Is so like and like what we do now. Like we've just sent out a newsletter to all our customers. So we send out a quarterly newsletter to our customers, let them know about what's happening in our world and things like that. And also upcoming services, you know, like it's gutter season, guys. Have you guys got anyone that sorts your gutters out like that? So we'll get 20, 30 gutter jobs just from our regulars. Really? Yeah. That's great. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. So that, that newsletter is great, you know, and um, I've, I've attached photos of my landscaping work too. I've gotten a couple of landscaping leads from them as well. I've done this beautiful little garden a couple of weeks ago for one of our regs. She didn't even know we did it until I sent that newsletter out. So that's proving, you know, super valuable. We send texts to customers too, like, you know, like what we call cold leads, ones that, you know, came through and didn't really eventuate too much or whatever. But we'll send every three months, just keep, you know, we paid for that lead, you know, they obviously at some point needed something done. So we'll just up space with them and just let them know hey we're still here we do these other things we're not just lawn mowing and we generate work from all that sort of stuff too and what software do you use or what systems do you use for for, for those my wife is full-time admin so i'm pretty sure i've honestly i'm out, um, out of the loop as to exactly that's what all good so yeah so but yeah now the key but the key is though the, you're doing it which is the main thing so there is a lot of software out there's a lot of variety like mailchimp yeah, yeah i know like mailchimp and that we don't use mailchimp like i'm pretty sure we are um literally message a pigeon at the moment we just individually yeah. email it um, but I was talking to Des. He, I think um, we're going to look at Mailchimp. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Mailchimp's for free up to a thousand contacts. So if you've got less than a thousand customers or a thousand contacts, it's for free to use an email system, which is good. And um, there are there are bulk SMS systems and stuff you can use as well, which are really really cheap. But it's good that you're doing it and getting work out of it. That's the key to encourage people to do it because it's not a. I know that people might get scared scared of the software or the tech side of it, but it's a really low low effort thing to get a lot of work out of it. Man, like I touched on it before, so I'll say it. It is what it is. But the problem with gyms, the big red flag problem with gyms and, and people go, oh, you're full of crap or whatever. And every franchisor at every point of inquiry for a new franchisee coming on board will say it is there's too much work. So there's too many leads, right? So what we do, we get lazy as franchisees and we just keep smashing in new leads, new leads, new leads. And we don't use our resource, A, that we pay for and B, that, you know, you're like I keep using the V word value. Like some of these clients that you're mowing the lawns for, they've got a guy who comes and rakes the leaves. They've got someone who comes and mows the lawn. They've got a gutter cleaner. And then they've got someone who will come and put some WD-40 on the gate for them. If you let them know without like, you know, always be ethical and never chop anyone's feet. But, you know, if you just let them know that, hey, I do all those services, maybe we can bundle something together or at least get it done nice and efficiently for you. They're stoked because you're adding value to their lives. You're freeing up you know, logistics, you know, you're freeing up invoice paying, you're freeing up phone calls and emails and all that sort of stuff. So people profit. So when all you're doing, 
all you're simply doing is letting the customer know that you do it. Yeah, you I think know, our big problem is we, we we assume that they know everything that you you can do, right? And that's a big problem. That's not a problem, but it's a a big thing that we just assume that they know everything we can do. And as you said, you're making lives easy by being a one stop shop if you can go that way. Yeah, and the other thing too is that some franchisees don't want to be a one stop shop, and that's also absolutely fine. The beauty of this is you can shape it how you want. But one of my best jobs I've ever had was actually a handball from another franchisee. It was uh, this massive green waste clear. We ended up taking 60 tonne of green waste away. 60 tonne? 60 tonne, yeah. We had two, two posi tracks with four and one buckets and a big semi and a dog trailer. Really? Yeah, man. It was sick. It was like, it was like a operations for Water Corp or something. <laughs> and, you know, this guy, Hamish, took the lead and he's kind of took one look at us and nah. You know, like my little, yeah, you know, FF, my FS250 sniffer's not getting through this. <laughs> and I went in there and I had the same deal and I just, I just made sure I really dotted my I's across my T's with my quoting on that one. So I made sure I quoted like a day. I never really quote day or hourly rates. I usually advise ever against doing that. But for this one, because I genuinely didn't know how many days it was going to take me, I quoted a day rate that was covered everything. And in the end, I wanted it to drag on forever because the day rate was that great. <laughs> I actually wanted to slow it down. But <laughs> yeah. Um, so that came from a, a franchisee that realized that he couldn't handle it and Danny, my franchisor, and I made myself known to Danny that, you know, I've, I've very quickly became the guy that, you know, someone doesn't want it, I'll give it a crap. That's another thing too, is letting you, you know, at your meetings when you're networking with your other franchisees and stuff like that, shake the hand, you know, ask them, what's your favourite type of job to do? Oh, yeah, sick, nice, yeah, yeah, cool. What's your least favourite type of job to do? You know, I might say retic, and you go, oh, mate, I love retic. Any leads you get, chuck them my way, bro, I'll sort you out, you know, mm. networking and, and, and use the system that way. Yeah, absolutely. I think people are not too sure from outside looking in, but yeah, we do have regular meetings where you guys get together and, and girls and, and talk about everything and there's obviously supplies there and as you said, it's really good advice. And the thing you talked about there before is quoting. Quoting is always a big problem for new business owners and I think in anything. So how did you, do you have any tips or advice with quoting or what do you do specifically in your business that might be a little bit different or what's some pointers you can give on that? So obviously, person-to-person quoting is essential. I'm pretty sure, I don't know if there's a rule against it with gyms, but I know Jim himself says don't quote off photos. You know, we're in a gym's franchise. So people have, most of the time, you'll find that with gyms is a lot of people have tried the friend. You know, I tried John. He was great when he mowed my lawn type thing. John never answered his phone. So they jump on the community page, chasing a lawnmower. They get 67 recommendations. Mm. They contact eight people and they get nothing. So then they go, you know what? Jeez, I've had a guts for this. I just need my lawn mode. Google, bang, gyms there. So they go to gyms. And by that point, they just need it done. So my advice for quoting is prompt. Always be prompt. You know, we got up to two hours to get in touch with them, but the sooner you can get on the blower to them, always follow up with a text and then get to the property as soon as you can. And then from there, it's just literally just ask them, you know, what were they wanting, you know, and, and then if you walk past and then, you know, so I'll just chase a bit of, you know, uh, mowing front and back because a lot of time these customers don't really know what they want. They know what they want the outcome to be, but they don't know what the process is. So then then you might say, oh, geez, you know, as you're ducking under the gate and there's a, you know, you're really hitting your head and taking your eyeball out, you want to see, geez, might, um, might give you a quote to cut that one back, eh? Because that's, geez, that's a bit of a guard dog, you know? Like, oh, yeah, that thing's been giving me the shit for the last two years. That'd be great if you did. Can you do that? You know, and then so always be spotting opportunity. And even if you're, my, my advice for selling is if you always get a customer to say yes to a small thing, they like to say yes to the big thing. So if you can kind of plan a few small questions that always end with the answer of yes, when you try and lock in a sale, they, you know, you're going to be more inclined. They're in, the, in that, you know, habit of saying yes. So that, that's a good little tip too. So always try and get them on the, on the mindset of saying yes. And then when you go for the close, it's typically going to be a yes. Another big advice too is, man, if you can, like that's why I'm getting trails on the road because if you've got the ability to smack it out then and there or very soon after, that's me too. Because a lot of the time people, 
you'll even quote with them. They go, yeah, sweet, I'll get back to you. Or, or yeah, let's lock that in for Tuesday or whatever. The weekend comes, they'll be talking to their mate. Their mate will be at a barbecue. Oh, don't, don't play that. To do it. We'll, we'll knock it out tomorrow for you, mate. And all of a sudden, you get a text Monday morning saying, oh, I've knocked it out on the weekend for you. The sooner you can tighten that whole process up from contact to quote to knocking the job out is you know, always better. And how do you manage your quoting with you being so busy? Are you doing it, as you said, are you doing it each day or are you leaving it to one day? Or how do you do it? Because some people leave it to one day at the end of the week where they do all their quoting or are you doing it every day once that once that comes in? Yeah, so every day subject to area. I'm not going to drive 70 k because we the way that we work in Perth now is we've got a real big reach. We've got a deadly reach as far as we go from far south one and up, which is like out of the metro area past Mandra to pretty much Rolly Stone in the hills type. They're like, we've got a huge radius of what we work and that's just by where our staff live. So we've lucky, you know, we've got a big range where the staff live. So then from there, we cast little radiuses from their house as to what work we, we ask for. So where I'm taking work away, like out of my region, yet alone territory type thing. When it comes to quoting, because I, I feel like quoting is an ex- extremely important thing and it's something that people look at it as a, a burden almost because you're not getting paid to quote type thing. But... Mm. What you've got to understand with quoting is you are setting up absolutely everything from that relationship from that point, how you handle that initial contact to how you present yourself at the time of quoting to how you conduct yourself at the quote. You rock up and, you know, a lot of people quote at the end of the day and they'll literally have thongs on, like the thing you could ever do, how you look rough as, you know, like, you know, especially when people are, when you're going to be charging these people top dollar because you are a top dollar operator or you're meant to be, you know, you, you can't rock up half ass and do your quotes half ass, even though you might be the best person at mowing lawns. They, you've got to portray that when you rock up at the property and quote, you know. So at this point in time, we try and quote daily, subject to where we are. And I'm in the middle. I've got Trace, my wife, who uh, is my she's my manager, I guess. Um, <laughs> she she is actually doing a couple of months out with me on the road. And because what I found was she was missing, fantastic, absolutely amazing operator. Our, like our processes and office side of things has just been so good since she's stepped into that role full time. But she's not a saleswoman. A lot of opportunity was going missed, you know, or, or I'd go to a job and, you know, we'd quote 400 bucks or something like that. And I said, oh, I would have gone like 800 on this type thing. So now what, the way I thought I'd fix that is I'll get her out there and she can sort of see how those jobs, you know, happen and what's involved with it. And it's not simply as going snip, bam, load it in the trailer and get out of there type thing. So I think that's going to provide a lot of value for us. And she can actually really, um, I'm teaching her a lot of identifiers that she can use and, and a couple of little uh, metaphors and stuff like that that she can identify with the customer and, and plant the seed of this is why this is happening and this is what we've got to do to fix it and hence why it's got to cost this much. You know, How so, long has your wife been involved in your, in your business for? 18 months now. Oh, months. no, two years. So, so we had our first order two years ago, Scarlet, and the, the goal was the reason we got into gyms is a lot of people get into self-employed work for is freedom you know like uh, we want to be able to i don't ever want to miss my daughter swimming or sports carnival or any of that sort of stuff you know so flexibility so the goal always was to if tracy does whatever she wants but if she didn't ever want to go back to work for wages she didn't have to and she's really embraced jumping on board the business and and is actually the key to growing up um, how's that, because, and how's that been with the young with your young daughter? How's it, how's it all been? Because people would think that having the business would be really stressful with a young family as opposed to having maybe your old previous job doing what you were doing. So how how, have you, how would you describe it? Yeah, look, it, it can get away from you. It can 100%. Just like a, a, a business, the business itself could get away with you and I'm just raising a kid can get away from you. So what we do now, like we, we literally have created policies and procedure for pretty much every aspect of the business. We got little checklists that we do, machinery checklists, operation checklists that we do in the morning type thing and, and we tick and sign every day. And the reason that we do that is just so nothing ever gets forgotten. 
we found that if we just do that, you're not forgetting anything. Nothing's getting left and nothing snowballs and becomes an issue later down the track. And we find if you just discipline yourself and do those things daily, it doesn't really get away from you. We've had days where Scarlett's been, you know, crook as and she, we put her in daycare two days a week now just for the social aspect of it type thing. And she's getting crook a lot more, which means we get crook a lot more. So, mm. you know, we've had to push a day here and a day there. So it does add an element of stress to the business, I guess. But like everything, it's manageable. You know, the, the more policies and procedures you put in and, and the more uh, action you do early, the easier anything is to manage, you know. And back in the early days, how, do you remember how your body felt coming from your job to in the field? How was the body in the first first couple of months? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No good. <laughs> no good. Um, oh, I'll never forget the day that it all broke down. So I tell the boys any, and girls, anyone that comes on, that it's usually week three is your body just rejects it. <laughs> Like your body just says, it leaves the chat, it's gone. So I was, <laughs> I, um, I had last job for the day and I was, ran out of garden bags and I had a little bit more to rake up. So I stomped the dog in trying, <laughs> trying to get a little bit more real estate out of this garden bag and I pulled the bag up and stomped and my lower back's just gone bang, like gingerly dragged that garden bag into the garden off the verge because I couldn't lift it into the ute. I had, it took me 15 minutes to get into the ute and then I needed to have a couple of days off after that. From that point, my body then sort of climatized. I started doing a lot of stretching and drinking more water. Like you just got to smash the water into your type thing and good lifting practices, good posture when you're driving. Like you jump in the car in the aircon and you turn into a you know, piece of mashed potato, like you're just into liquid almost. But if you can't, you know, there's a, once again, there's things you can do to prolong it and, and help yourself out. But initially, man, it's a shock to the system. And um, yeah, yeah, well, he, I, I asked that question because I do ask it to everyone because if they come from a corporate job or from a non-really physical job it's it's the same thing where the first three to four weeks you just got to gut it out and then you get match fitness almost in a way and then um you're right to go but yeah it's a tough three to four weeks for you initially and but how would you describe your fitness and let's say overall mental health and mental well-being has that been really improved since you've been doing the business as well yeah yes so well yes a couple of things on the the old mental health and and those sorts of things there so running a business can be stressful it can be super stressful and the business operations itself can you know add a lot of stress to things especially if you're under quoting you're running into financial problems and things are snowballing and you're you're, you're not sole trader you might not have a business partner involved with this and you, and you can you can drown pretty quickly right my biggest we'll, we'll touch on the don't stress about the money and the income type thing because that it's there we'll, we'll go back to that so at the start when you start gyms everyone's focused on income and turnover and, and stressed about that but what happens, the big thing of anxiety is there's literally so many leads that you struggle to keep up with the leads, the contact, and then the possible complaints or the complaints come through uh, due to Dave's meant to be here at this time or you just literally, I, I my first day, and what happens, you, you underquote a job, so you just want to get on your hands and knees, start pulling those weeds out and get through it. <laughs> your phone's in the truck, it's not even in your pocket, and then you've had four leads come through while you've done that and you missed it, then it turns into a complaint. And that sort of thing then just it's like snowball, snowball, snowballs in your first few weeks. The, the mental health side of things, being outside in the sunshine and in the rain and all that sort of stuff is good for you. But the, the business anxiety can really get to you if you don't manage it. And my biggest advice is to always call your franchisor and talk to your franchisor. Like if you need to at the start, talk to them daily, call them daily. You, you know, some of us paid 30 grand or something to get in this thing. Yeah, that's the difference between us being a, as, you know, just a private contractor or being in gyms is we got that resource there and we've got that networking. So call your franchisor, help them. They'll say, oh, look, I think we should shut down leads or something like that, or, you know, turn leads down to three leads a day or something for you until you start getting the processes in place. The actual work itself is fantastic for your physical health. It's fantastic for your mental well-being. It's so good just being able to park under a tree and have yourself some smoke and just watch the birds sing and 
you know, the smell of cut grass, you don't like that. Well, there's something wrong with you, I reckon. <laughs> smell of cut dog shit could probably pass on that one. Uh, but the smell of cut grass, yeah, that's fantastic, you know. But my just, I, I just plead that people, man, like surely every franchisee that gets asked a question says that income is not an issue with gyms. Like it is not an issue. You just, my biggest advice would be just work on those processes at the start and manage those leads as they come through. Because it's, it is like, man, it is insane the amount of work that comes through. Well, our biggest problem is the, um, making just the general public believe it because they just presume that the, the mowing and gardening guys on $20 an hour or $25 an hour, because they might be used to seeing something on an air task or a local group. They just can't, most people can't seem to grab their head around it. Most, let's say, mowing and gardening franchises that I would know of would probably have a better income than some, well, most, most lawyers seriously and that, that's that's not right. a joke of a lie when i had my first meeting with danny at the cafe and we went through some unserviced lead numbers and i i said oh look obviously you know how long's a piece of string and it comes down to the operator and you're not going to give me the the real number but what mm. can people make and you know he might say oh you know stewie had his first three grand week last week or you know some making five some making two and a half whatever blah 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 i jumped in the car and i said yeah right dickhead like good on you like how can a gardener make that much money just mowing lawns and then you, it's it's wild, man. It's wild what you can do. And then like, and the crazy thing about gyms, like stupid because it sounds too good to be true. Like it, it's almost, it's a hard sell for a franchisor, I reckon, because you just sound like you're getting this amazing deal that you think, yeah, okay, what's the catch? What's mm. the catch? The catch is it's, man, it's just all up to you. Like there is no catch. It is possible. And it's not even possible. It's just done a thousand times over around the country in different states, in different situations, different age groups, different sexes, different, you know, physical capabilities and that. Franchisees around the country are just killing it, you know. The crazier, crazier thing about gyms again, which I'm experiencing now, is it's so stupidly scalable. And like if I wanted to get, like I want to get five trailers on the road by the end of this this calendar year, right? So if I was to do that, say Automasters, right, I'd have to buy four four stores for two and a half million dollars worth of buy-in. With gyms, I can just keep stacking trailers on the road and it costs me no more. Like, you literally don't get penalised for money. You actually get rewarded for making more money. With that, they'll say, so everyone goes, right, Educate, like, we get it, it's good, but it sounds too good to be true. With that comes an insanely meticulous level of customer service. So Jim manages complaints like no other, and he comes down and you're like a sack of shit if you, you, <laughs> you try to justify or argue them. So I was one of those people at the start. Like I, I got emails there from Jim, like you know, in my first few weeks, first month. I got heaps of complaints in my first few months because I, you know, when I say these complaints come through and mental health and it gets anxiety and you just feel like there's, you feel like there's almost no support because there's too much work going on. Like three weeks ago, I was spinning spanners and now I'm a lawn mowing guy trying to run my own business and and what the hell does Bass stand for? You know, all, all that sort of stuff. So Jim, a lot of people say Jim's too harsh on complaints and stuff like that. Jim's not harsh enough. Like. They, they mentioned that training, like, you know, is, you know, the old, is, is a complaint a good thing? And few people, few positive people go, yes, because you can turn it into an opportunity. Mm. Mike, your day just goes, no, it's not. The reason being is because you complain and that person goes, I'm never using gyms again because of you. You've affected 4,000 other franchisees. Mm. And that's what Jim's got to look out for. He's got to look out for the brand and, and what makes it such a good business for the client and the franchisees. And if he didn't have that level of customer service and complaint and, and that, it, wouldn't be what it is. It's essential that it's that strict and it's, and at the end of the day, like, I mean, oh man, I'm a 100% better business operator for it because like I say to Trace, like one of my big thing to Trace is work backwards, can Jim pin you? Can he get you? Did you send the follow-up text? Oh, well, I haven't sent a text, bang, complaint, you know, like you got to, so you, you call within the end, you follow up with a text. If anything changes, you follow up with a, you know, a bit of correspondence, like it makes you a great businessman, you know? So yeah, yeah, the complaints at the start can, can be a thing. 
uh, but also manageable. Yeah, well, he's um, there's a video online with Jim. We follow him around for a day, and we actually show people how he deals with complaints. But yes, that's one of his main roles in the company, which people don't believe is is the customer service and complaints. He's actually gotten a little less strident than what he used to be, from what I know him recently. But um, you're spot on about what you said. He's got five thousand now actually franchises to protect. So if one guy's going around wrecking the brand, as you said, it affects us so much more than it will any other other person because it affects the dog wash person, the cleaning person, building inspections person. So you're spot on about it. And glad you learned your lessons in the early days with it. And it's, and it's made you to be a far better business owner. Well, we still get, you know, everyone gets a couple of here and there type thing. You know, some some go past the keeper and there's other, I've jumped in the car and I've called Trace and said, well, you're going to probably have to manage that one. Like, <laughs> you know, like you, you, we're human, you know, there's yeah. going to be a element. And so, so the odd one here and there, you just got to try and find the lesson in it, learn from it and, and just try not to let it weigh you down or whatever. But at the start, if, if you get a lot of email time with Jim, it's probably not a good thing, but it, it is a good thing. <laughs> That's true. He's very accessible via phone and via email as well. And then most of his day is spent dealing with complaints and, and arguing over the finer points with, with franchisees. My advice is read the manual. The manual, he goes via the manual. So whatever the steps say in the manual to deal with the lead is generally what you want to go with. Well, that's uh, I said to him at the start in the email. <laughs> I was like, man, you're, you know, stop being such a robot. Like, you know, you like, won't win. <laughs> yeah. You won't and, win. <laughs> oh, man, it was just like, it, it's this exchange. And then I like, he just, Looking back at it now, I think, dude, take emotional out of it. And at the end of the day, did you or did you not do what you were meant to do? The answer is no. Get over it. Move on. Yeah, and that's much. literally what it is. Like, and it's, I'm so so grateful for it because it's just now, like, we're we're a powerhouse. Like, the, our the brand power in its reliability to provide quality, you know, work for clients is what allows us to be at a hundred, hundred fifty, two hundred dollars an hour, whatever you want to be. You know, like. You just couldn't do that anywhere else. And it's because we got such a strict level of customer service, which is allowed, like customer service is just essentially a tool to make money. You know, like you got good customer service. It's just laying the foundations to make money, essentially. Absolutely. And the thing you said was the key was about what can we do better to improve or to not that happen again? Whereas people, sometimes people can go the other way, whereas they want to just blame the customer or blame other people instead of looking at themselves. So that's the key to it. Can you actually look at what's happened and actually take a lesson from it and move on and keep going? Because as you said, there's no point fighting with Jim on complaints. If you don't follow the process, you're never, you're never going to win. Yeah, like I, I say, my saying is double down on bad days. It's happened to me, but how many franchisees will be in the early days specifically, you know, doing a job they've quoted in the head four hours and six hours later, they're still on their hands and knees trying to pluck grass out of a, you know, pea gravel or whatever. And it's a prick hot days, 37 degrees days. And then, you know, you, you finally finish and you come home and you've got to change the mower blades, but you, you, you've had a hard day at work. You made no money, you shit as anything. So, mm. so you go, oh, I do it in the morning, screw it. So you sit on the couch, you turn on the TV, you crack open a couple of beers and, you know, watch a few episodes of Yellowstone or whatever. And then you go and say, I'm going to watch a couple of episodes. And sure enough, it's at a pivotal moment in the show and you all of a sudden it's 11.30, 12 o'clock at night and you go, oh, shit, got to go to bed. So you lump yourself off the bed looking like a bloody caveman. Go to bed. Sure enough, you sleep in at 6 7 o'clock and you get up. Ah, oh, Jesus, I'm late. God, I've got 12 lawns to do. Get up, <laughs> yell at the missus. Why didn't you wake me up? She's like, Oh, sorry, honey. I thought you just needed the rest. You had a hard day. You say, Oh, I'll jump in the car and get going again. Halfway to your first job, you think, Jesus, I never played, you know, change those mole blades. So you're out doing this bloody knee high job and it's clumping. It's looking like crap. And, it, you know, it's, it was meant to be an hour and a half job or whatever. And, and you're there for nearly three hours. So you're, you're storming in the car and you're, you're driving off to the next couple of mows and by lunchtime you're about two three hours behind because your mower blade just it's just a horrible day and then you're just trying to get through the work you're just trying to soldier on through the work and get through the day 
you get a text come through, possible complaint from Mrs. Jones down at 72. So you're like, ah, why didn't the old bitty call me instead of calling the call centre? You know, like you, we try and encourage our clients to call us direct, not the call centre, just to avoid those sorts of situations. So now you, you're angry you're angry at the missus, you're angry at the mole, you're angry at Mrs. Jones down at 72. So you call your franchise door, you say, this is bullshit, you know, I'm working my guts off, I've been doing this for three weeks, this is crazy, you know. So then he goes, well, there's probably no point, but I'll send it through to Jim and see what he says. Oh, that bloke never really supports me, doesn't help me. So you're angry at your franchise door too. Jim immediately comes back and says, cut it out, no chance. So now you're angry at your missus, the mower, Mrs. Jones, the franchise door and Jim's. So then you carry on at six o'clock at night, you finally get home, shocking day. And the kids are carrying on, the dogs are barking, so you're angry at the kids, you're angry at the dogs, you're angry at the franchise, or you're angry at Jim, you're angry at Mrs. Jones, you're angry at the mower, and you're angry at the missus, right? So you think, well, I've had a hard day, shocking day in the office. So instead of changing those mower blades, you sit down on the couch and watch another couple of episodes of Yellowstone. Mm. And then so, thus the cycle repeats. But if you just double down on that day and said, I'm going to change the mower blades, I'm dusty, I'm dirty, I hate my job right now, but I'm going to change these mower blades and I'm going to get the dog tomorrow, Everything would have changed, you know. In that situation there, you know, the dog, the kids, Mrs. Jones, franchise or gyms, your wife, the shitty mower, all those sorts of things. None of, none of those things could have changed the circumstance except for you. When you said, that just triggered me when you said blame. And that's what people do. People blame, ah, why didn't you get me up? You know, or Jim, why, why are you so hard on complaints? Or franchise or why didn't you fight harder for me? Or Mrs. Jones, why didn't you contact me? You know, but realistically, all those things wouldn't have happened if you just were accountable and uh, disciplined and did what you're meant to do, you know? Absolutely. So that's my little example of how Mrs. Jones can ruin your day. No, it's a great, great, great example. And um, a great example. I've never had anything like that before. That's a really good one. I love it. Um, I was going to say now with your notes that you've got, I know you've prepared, you've prepared some notes. Do you have anything on there I haven't asked you or we haven't touched on that you want to talk about? Yeah, just a couple of little bits of advice. Yeah, um, Obviously, double, double down on bad days. That's a, that's a big one. That's my mm-hmm. biggest one because the biggest way to squash a bad day is through discipline, right? You just got to soldier on it. It's, it's already a shit day. It already sucked. You already hate your job. Why not hate it for half an hour more so you can love tomorrow? You know, so that's my thing is just those shit days are already suck. So get on with it, make them a little bit worse so tomorrow can be fantastic. You don't want to make tomorrow suck. My advice would be, so a lot of the questions at the start is what should I charge hourly rate? My advice for that would be simply just up the hourly rate till the market says no. So there will literally be a point where you start, your conversion rate goes from maybe 80, 80% down to 60% or whatever. That's the market telling you that, no, nah, you're not quite worth that. The funny thing about hourly rate and what we worth ourselves at is when you start right and you're doing a garden tidy and you think it's going to take you four hours at maybe eighty dollars because that's still seventy dollars whatever that's your starting rate you know so that's 280 so let's say 280 for the job and if you just looked at that number 280 without breaking down the hours and all that six months from now when you're a lot faster you've got better tools and you're you're doing that that job would have taken you an hour and a half but if you still charge 280 that's 140 hourly rates you know what i mean so we we tend to I guess quite less as we get better because just organically we become quicker and more efficient at doing the work. So we start being a bit more honest with ourselves. Oh, that's probably a two-hour job in our head. I want my hourly rate to be 100 bucks, 200 bucks. Mm-hmm. So that's why I tell people don't get caught up in hourly rates. But if you just up the amounts to them, the people will tell you they don't want to pay it. You know what I mean? And and the beauty with gyms is if you get a complaint through price, it's not a complaint. It's just you know feedback from the market saying that you're probably a little bit too high. People have this anxiety that they have to win every job. To me, you're best off mowing a lawn for free for a someone in your network that could provide you quality work moving forward than moving working for less than you're worth. So whether you start at 60, 70, 80, whatever they recommend people start at these days, I've got no idea. I don't know if they do the one, two, three dollar a minute. They talk about that at training, yeah. Yeah, they do yep. it, yeah. Um, that's a, that's a fantastic starting place. You know, categorize your machinery and, and what value it brings. Do it that way. But man, you know, I, you can do. I don't know if you want me. I've already have, but I don't know if you want me to talk about numbers. But 
I mean, you can talk about numbers. It's up to you. It's fully just up to you. I mean, you can easily, easily do a thousand dollars a day mowing. Like probably not regs. Regs probably cap around seven fifty or something like that. But if you throw in one of those little garden tidies and a few mows, you can do a thousand dollars a day mowing piece this. And you do a landscaping, you can do eighteen hundred dollars a day of labour. No worries at all. So the market, that's that's the market telling you that okay, that service is worth eighteen hundred because there's skill, there's you know experience and all that involved. But if you're just pushing a rotary lawnmower around and bagging some edges. The market's not going to really allow you to charge any more than $80, $90 for hour for that because at the end of the day, a 12-year-old can do it. And that's why I think upskilling and just knowing, even just backing yourself with a bit of knowledge and why shows the customer that, oh, this you know this guy's charging top dollar, but if I need him to, he's got the experience there to identify problems and to stomp it, you know, like simply knowing when to fertilise and identifying problems with the lawn or this is too thatchy, we need to scalp it, you know, or whatever, those sorts of things. So up the alley rate until the market says no because we're not here for charity, we're here to make money. Uh, don't blame the seed and don't blame the soil. What I mean by that is don't blame gyms. Gyms is the seed, you know, that's, that's the franchise. And don't blame the soil, don't blame your area. Because at the end of the day, if you can look around and if there's a trailer on the road within a 25k radius of where you're working and they're killing it, you can kill it. So don't blame the franchise system and don't blame, oh, it's the droughts or it's this or it's that. You know, yes, they make things challenging. Yes, there's genuine things out there that make it difficult for business to succeed, but find a way around it. Work your, work your already paid for clients, you know, send a newsletter, work on, you know, snipping dry waste or gutters, you know, from for fire debris and all that if it's a drought, you know, like. Think outside the box, you know. Don't blame the franchise system because there are thousands of franchisees killing it. And don't blame the area because people within a 25k radius to be killing it. So uh, you are the difference maker. That would be that one. And I reckon as far as just simple bits of advice, that'll probably do for now. I was going to say as well, it's pretty impressive. You're going to be nearly on track to have a million dollar business, you know, let's say within the next year, maybe if you get, if you keep going projection the way you are. So did you, has it exceeded your expectations? Because you start off in a pretty, you know, all your money's been put into this thing. You know, you had to make it work. There would have been a lot of, so you, have you been quite satisfied or has it exceeded your expectations from what you thought when you started? Or did you sort of think, oh, I've got the motivation to make it work? Oh, so I never had doubts that if anyone was going to make it work, I'd make it work. You've got to go into it knowing, like, but with that, it was, that wasn't like a narcissistic approach. Mm. It was a, I'm going to use my resources. I'm going to lean on this franchise system that I'm paying for. I'm going to make them make me make it, if that makes sense. You know what I mean? I'm going to, oh, poor old Danny when he was my franchise. Or now, now I've got Des. So poor <laughs> old Des. <laughs> no, Des is a good lad. He's a great fellow, Des. You're very lucky absolutely, with Des. Absolutely. You were so lucky to have yeah. someone who's so He's knowledgeable about franchise. Yeah, absolutely. So, man, like you've paid for the system. Use it and then email them and, and you know, just, yeah, use the system. Don't, that's another piece of advice. Don't try and beat the system. Don't do dodgy shit to try and, you know, reinventing the wheel. You don't need to reinvent the wheel. Everyone's on this big wheel and it's an amazing wheel. Like, you don't need to reinvent it. But from the start to now, I had so many, like, in, as it organically, I never went in with a big plan. I just went in with a, I'm just going to work my balls off and hopefully I can make something of it. And then I, you know, I discovered the power of what I call quote and do's. So that's the quote them on the spot. If you've got time, I can knock it out right now for you. Oh, you can could, you could do that now for me. Yeah, absolutely. Just bang, knock it out. You've quoted it. You've done it. You've got paid and you're on the road before they even had a chance to say no. Like, you know, so the power and quote and do's, I feel are huge. And with that, that led me to the splits because I thought, oh, Screw red mows, they're only worth 40, 50 bucks. You know, I don't want them. I want this big money stuff. But what I've learned now is, um, you know, you're literally selling off your assets. You know, your regs are your assets. So whether you choose a split game, whether you choose to scale or whether you just choose to be comfortable doing it yourself, there's no right or wrong way to do it as long as you do it within the system guidelines. Yeah, like I have no doubts that this thing's going to hit a million. It's just a matter of time. What we're doing now, like we pay well, we pay our staff well. We don't give them shit machinery. If something's looking crappy, I replace the topic. Mm. So our margins aren't, 
as big as they could be, but that's by design. Uh, they're, they're, they're fine. Like, you know, we're, we're definitely, <laughs> definitely making money. But I feel if we are going to charge the top, top dollar and present ourselves as a, you know, a top of the line business, with that comes happy, well-paid staff, good, clean, you know, reliable machinery, trailers that don't look like, you know, they've been on the road for nine years and, you know, crappy cars and all that sort of stuff. So we, we I feel like we're doing it right. We, we probably could get to a million sooner than we will, but we'll get there. That's great. Oh, well, look, it's, it's a fantastic achievement. And now, before I let you go, so I want to talk about the beer on the behind you. So you've got the Jim's Lawn Lager, which is fantastic, some good product placement there. Have you had a, have you tasted it yet? Or is it was a purely decoration for a decoration. Right. So I bought myself a carton. Um, good. good man. Around, around Christmas time, just sort of thought, ah, you know, get in the spirit of the, the brand. And I know why they call it Lawn Lager. Did you ever, <laughs> you know, had a Friday afternoon or whatever, and you just, you know, you might have a dinner date or something like that, and you've got a ute full of clippings and it's middle of summer and you leave them there till Monday? You know that smell of fermenting grass? Yeah. Yeah, that's what that tastes like. <laughs> so I'm probably not the best, but I'm a Scotch drinker. Um, ah, okay, right. You're not a beer man. Yeah, so yeah. I'm not the biggest beer guy, but for me, that's uh, purely aesthetic. At the that's point. a can. It looks good. Exactly right. It's a very controversial can now. Koofy's just coming after us with it. So it's a very controversial can. It's a collector's item, that one. So it's good to keep there. It's an appreciating asset. It is. It is actually. Yeah, it's been, it was in the news. It was national news coverage on the weekend the um the lawn lagrets caused quite a store so it's a good one there that's not like jim to cause a ruckus is it no 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 we, we just leaked it to the media the legal letter that was all right <laughs> and they ran with it but i was going to say um thank you for joining us today dave on this really cool to hear from you from more about wa franchises especially i know you're gonna do some content with some franchisees over there which we're looking forward to sharing as well and it's been great to have a really good honest approach and some really good advice talking about becoming a being a franchisee you've got a great personality obviously got a lot of a lot of energy and stuff and you can see how passionate you are about your business and it's fantastic to see someone come from putting all their life savings into this thing to where you're going to be you know at a prospect of a million dollar business really shortly so it's a fantastic achievement to yourself and your family yeah joel thanks for having me on man and I'm, i can't wait to get stuck into this potty with uh showcasing what we've got over here because we do things a little bit different to the east states we you know we, we all run cylinder mowers and stuff yeah. over here yeah. You know, our climate's a little bit different. So, I mean, I just love hearing the stories from, you know, all different corners of Australia of how different franchisees are putting their own little spin on what's, you know, a, a large franchise system. And, yeah, look forward to bringing some of the gold from WA over here. Yeah, so what we'll be doing for people who are listening or watching is we're going to, you're going to do some episodes over in um in Perth with some people and we're going to upload them all under the Jim's Mowing, we're going to have a Jim's Mowing podcast, which is central. So your episodes will go under there and we can hopefully get some more people doing it. So we're looking forward to sharing it. Yeah, mate, start with something big. Absolutely. Thank you very much. Easy, mate. Appreciate that. Thank Cheers. you. Ta